Okay, guys, we're back. We've had our little six-week holiday vacation. We're back once again for the Ortho Show. We're really excited. We have a great guest today, Dr. Mort Mefta, who's a clinical professor in orthopedic surgery at NYU Langone, specialist in hip and knee arthroplasty. Uh, I really appreciate his story because we share a lot of the same themes. He's a huge believer in innovation. He's the chair of Orthopedic Innovation Center. He's an inventor. He's an orthopreneur, also entrepreneur. He's developed his own company using radar uh, for navigation for arthroplasty. I truly enjoyed this conversation. Um, it's, uh, it's fun. It's entertaining. And yet gives us some really great ideas on how we as orthopedic surgeons can innovate. I hope you all appreciate it as much as I do. Hashtag follow the pro. From medical media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of The Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. We are so happy to be back. We've had ourselves a little hiatus for the holidays. Uh, but we're back today. We're really excited to talk to Dr. Mort Mefta, who's an orthopedic surgeon, clinical professor at NYU Langone in New York City. He's a specialist in both hip and knee arthroplasty. He has a lot of really cool titles, which I'm excited that we're going to dive into. Uh, near and dear to my heart is that he's the chair of the Orthopedic Innovation Center, as well as the co-director of the Computer Assisted Surgery and Robotics area as well. So, uh, so Mort, it is a pleasure to have you, brother. Great to see you again. Thank you, Scott. It's an honor to be on Ortho Show. Uh, I've been uh, looking forward to this moment. It's uh, it's great to talk directly to the to the fro. Everybody's a beloved fro. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. We got to see each other. We got to give a shout out to the Godfather Ira Kirschenbaum who had us together on a panel uh, that was really awesome. Actually, it was a cool panel where we were discussing you know protocols and the treatment of osteoarthritis of the knee. And we had about twelve doctors from around the country. We we're all superstars. I really enjoyed that. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, the um, you know the audience can can see me, but I'm bowing in front of Ira. He's he's my mentor. We love him. Yeah, no, he is literally the creator of the internet, the godfather of orthopedics. There are no, no you can't oh, get that activity accolades. Yeah. Totally so what's awesome. going on in New York, man? You guys operating? They shut you down? What do you got? No, we're doing okay. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I would say about half of our faculty and and patients are uh, having COVID. <laughs> which, uh, you know, the good news is it's not that bad. Um, it's apparently this, this new variant, whatever that is, there's so many new variants recently. Uh, it's mainly a bad cold-ish and four or five days of little sick and then you're good. Um, my wife had COVID about uh, three weeks ago and I got tested almost every other week and every other day and I was negative. I don't, I don't know what happened. So. Yeah, no, it's a Maybe I give it to her. Hopefully we're going endemic pretty soon. It seems like every county in the United States right now has Omicron listed on the on the schedule. So hopefully we're going to reach herd immunity. And, and uh, I had three cases canceled today because of staffing issues as well as patient issues as well. But I'll tell you a funny story. I took my kids down to the Bahamas against all you know good advice from everybody I know with one of my orthopedic partners. We took down about 10 kids. And everyone's like, there's no way you're getting back from the Bahamas. There's no way, right? You're going to have to leave somebody behind. But literally, everybody tested negative. We made our way back. So we're happy to be back working again. But uh, 
Yeah, I think it's the progression of the of the pandemic, right? I mean, everybody gets herd immunity and it's a milder version of it and hopefully we'll be done with it. Yeah, I think it's probably sooner rather than later. That's what we're all hoping for, that's for sure. So look, man, you know, we love the stories of, of the amazing orthopedic surgeons from around the world. And give us a little background as to where you're from and and what where your desire for orthopedics came from. And I think your educational pathway is really quite remarkable. And we definitely want to share that as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I- I'll give you a brief version of it because I don't want to bore everybody. But, um, you know, I was born in Iran, uh, in Tehran, and uh, my dad is an orthopedic surgeon. He's a sports medicine. And, you know, every now and then when I talk to him, I blame him for all my success and misery. So, uh, you know, I'd, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I would, I would go to his uh, clinic and I even scrub with him for, uh, you know, looking back, it was, it was quite scary back then and uh, all the cadaver things. And anyway, so, um, and then we moved into the States and uh, kind of in my teenage years, I grew up in, uh, uh, in Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia. And, um, you know, I had to go back when I was um, 16, 17 to my grandma back in Iran. And, you know, uh, what happens that they, they confiscated my, um, um, my passport, so I couldn't leave the country. So they told me you can either go to the military, it's, it's mandatory, just like Israel, or I can go to um, medical school. I went to medical school. It seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> so over the medical school is a seven and a half years. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combined program. And then I did my, um, my residency there, and then I came back here. Uh, and then I went through the academic pathway. So I, I did... Um, multiple training. First, uh, I, I, uh, I was actually fortunate enough to meet uh, Dr. Chet Ranawad at, um, at Lenox Hill. Um, so uh, I applied for their PGY2, which is uh, basically a house officership in their orthopedic department. Uh, at that time, I was actually doing an internship uh, in, uh, in general surgery in, in Cornell. And uh, so after my general surgery internship finished, I went to uh, Lenox Hill for two years. And then um, I did a fellowship with him and he went to HSS. And that's, that's where the whole um, you know, innovation and invention was triggered. My, my interaction with, with Dr. Ranawad, and we can talk about it a little bit later. But after that, I, I did a tumor fellowship at Georgetown and uh, another joint replacement at uh, Houston Methodist. And um, then I got my first job at uh, Iroh Kershima. Yeah, and so basically, I mean, you know, for the for the listeners that are out there, if you're if you're trained outside of the United States, you have to be able to come in and go through an arduous pathway to be able to be able to be board certified and, and get through. And you have to do at least five years, if I'm not mistaken, of postgraduate training. And so you did a couple of years internship and, and residency PGY two, which was awesome, and then three years of fellowships, which is a very similar story to two of our favorites, you know, Ran Schwartzkopf and and Jorge Chala as well. So I think the message is for our international listeners that are out there that if you truly desire, you know, to come to the United States and train, there is a pathway to be done. It's not easy, uh, but if you work hard, you can accomplish your goals. Absolutely, don't give up. There's always, and we are available. There's a lot of international, um, very accomplished surgeons, as you mentioned, and we're always here to help. If you have questions, just reach out to us. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So so let's talk about something that's that's near and dear to my heart, and I want to know what this is. You know, so you're the chair of the Orthopedic Innovation Center, and we use innovation a lot on this show, and we've had some really amazing inventors, and, and innovation can mean a lot of things, right? It, it could be 
an innovation of your brand or yourself. It could be an innovation in technology. Uh, it can be an innovation in surgical technique. It, you know, it could be adjacent uh, innovation, or it could be you know demonstrable change, gas and gas uh, combustion engine to an electric vehicle. So, what do you got? Tell us all about it. What you're working on? I'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just as a background, you know, what the the, the whole um, innovation just sparked when I was at HSS with, with Dr. Ranawan. And uh, for for the listeners that that know him, he's a very prolific uh, thinker and and a genius in terms of uh, coming up with ideas and and how how he can take things to the next level. And uh, one of the things that you know he kept telling me is that you have to you have to see how you can make yourself better as every day. And that kind of really resonated with me. And um, during uh, my, my my years with him at, at HSS, we actually had two patents. One of them was a new implant design for hip, and the other one was, uh, you know, a custom jig for uh, for cup positioning and total hip replacement. But then uh, when I went to uh, Georgetown, I, I got very involved in, in terms of all right. So I I love orthoplasty. I like I like the implants. I how do I make them better, right? And, and that question kind of uh, came back on and, and I tried to figure out how I can make the implants better. So I, I started designing some stuff, some retractors, some osteotomes for Intermed. And uh, you know, it's, it's not that easy for entrepreneurs and innovators out there yet. You really have to try and keep at it because uh, the, the first maybe one or two or 10, it's not going to be successful. If it is, that's, that's amazing. You're a lucky one. But uh, the whole point is that innovation and, and invention is, is a religion. It, it's something that you have to practice. It's not like, oh, I have a great idea now that I'm a billionaire and then I can you know, go to Bahamas for the rest of my life. Actually, majority of the uh, uh, inno- innovators and inventors that I know uh, they're very hardworking, you know, they, they dedicate their life, not into the, um, the orthopedics, but also to the invention and innovation. You know, it's interesting. So let, let's talk innovation, which, which again, is one of my favorite terms. You know, I think what's, what's amazing about innovation is that you have much more uh, likelihood of failure than you do of success. Uh, and, I, and I think that, as you said, as an inventor versus commercialization is also incredibly true. Um, in order to, to be successful, it's highly unlikely you're going to do this on your own uh, and that you need to develop, you know, team players around you and develop relationships and then and you need to figure out a problem and then you need to come up with a solution. Now, I, I, I'm just going to throw this out here because I'm just I'm thinking I can't help myself. But, you know, there's a very high rate of t- testicular cancer in state patrol officers from their radar gun. So I want to make sure that we're going to be protecting everybody in the operating room here, Bort, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be bad if everybody gets testicular cancer in the OR. Now, th- these are different frequencies. These are millimeter wave radio frequencies, very similar to your, um, uh, your cell phones. So, um, um, no, they're very harmless, I assure you. <laughs> I've been exposed for, for quite some time. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to hear. Uh, no, so tell us a little bit more, because I want the listeners to understand. So, you know, so there's two things, right? There's, there's navigation, which is the ability to see around corners and make sure everything is in the right spot. And then there's robotics, which is the ability to put the thing where you want it to with the instruments. So, so explain a little bit more to the audience in basic terms as to what your radar device is going to do to help us in the operating room. Yeah, so the way I look at technology in terms of orthopedic procedure is that 
there is a planning part of it, which, which, which I call the engine, and that is the navigation. The navigation, basically, it's, it's just like your, your Google map navigation. It, it tells you where you are, and it can tell you where to go, and it tells you where you are as you're getting there, right, from, uh, from one to, to the next point. The robot is where you can execute that plan, right? So you navigate, you basically plan your, let's say, need a placement. You virtually know where the position of the implant needs to be. And then you put it, you combine it with a cutting tool, which is your robot, and the robot helps you execute it. That's, that's basically as simple as it could get. No, and that's perfect. That's exactly what we want to be able Even Judy, my mother just understood that. So well done. We appreciate that. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> exactly. You know, we had Rand on too. And Rand was like, dude, do you want to get into an Uber with a guy that's got a AAA map? Or do you want to get into an Uber that's got a GPS device that's going to show where to go, right? So technology has been, it's been, it's, it's long overdue in the operating room and forever. You know, one of the things I would ask you and and, and we get this, you know, quite frequently every day, all the guys, you know, the AUKUS guys that are still using their standard instrumentation that are really pushing back against, you know, computer navigation and robotics will all say, you know, the outcomes are the same, whether you use your hands and your eyes for a guy that does a lot of them versus using the robot. When do you think we're going to get to a point where you can literally point to a study which shows improved patient-reported outcomes and function with a navigated robotic knee versus a standard instrumented knee? That's a good point, Scott. That, you know, with, I can tell you one of the, uh, the, the robotic platform has been in orthopedic procedures for more than 10, 12 years, right? And we still, as you pointed out, we don't have a good evidence that actually, you know, improves patient outcomes. But if you tease out what is patient reported outcomes, it doesn't really justify uh, or, you know, it's not fair to compare a manual orthopedic procedure versus a robotic. The way I look at it is that um, the robot makes us a lot more precise. It, it eliminates outliers. So if I want to be three degrees off at, out of some form of anatomic access, I can hit that with robots consistently all the time. So it makes me a lot better surgeon. The difference that I think we can't get to a conclusion is because we don't know if that three degree is okay for everybody. So it goes back to the navigation part of it, not the robotic part of it, because the robot just cuts where you plan it. The problem is we don't know what we plan. Historically, you know, for needle placement, we've been cutting things at 90 degrees or five degrees it's based on an average of what the population would be, right? And nowadays we, we're realizing that that's just not going to work for everybody because it has to be a patient-specific approach. You know, we have to take into account soft tissue balance and, and gait analysis and, and variation of anatomy. And I think if you if you put everybody into a bucket of, you know, robotic versus non-robotics, you're not going to find a difference because, you know, the targets have been moving. We don't know what we're going to put the implants in, and that's the challenge. All right, so I, I want to switch over to something else, and I, I hate to disappoint you, uh, but but you you are not an entrepreneur. You are an orthopreneur, and that has been coined by my dear friend Matthew Ray Scott, 
and uh, and we're stuck with it. So so uh, as a fellow orthopreneur, obviously with OrthoLaser, the franchise that we've established across the country, um, you know it's it's not easy. It, it is not easy to take an idea and then be able to develop commercial success with it and have it become accepted. It's a long and arduous process. So what I'd like you to do is just walk the listeners through the process of, of, of you know, obviously in the abbreviated format as best as you can, but the name of your company, how you started it, who did you partner with, was there angel investment, was, you know, have you gone through a series A, where are you now in the process, and give us a, a pretty basic explanation of how you got there. Yeah, so, um, so I started uh, a provisional patent back in 2019. Uh, or maybe late 2018. And the whole idea was use of radar-based tracking technology in uh, surgical procedures. Um, so I actually funded it myself. I, I found a patent attorney. I knew somebody. I, I wrote something up. I talked to a couple of radar guys to get some form of understanding that cannot work. Because remember, in, in a radar world, getting to submillimeter accuracy is insane. A lot, of, a lot of radar technologies are used in military and their accuracy are within inches, right? If they want to hit something with a missile, they don't have to be submillimeter. So getting, getting the radar to a submillimeter accuracy within a very short distance is, is kind of revolutionary in their, in their standpoint. But I happened to find a very interesting guy who was a chief scientific officer for a military uh, contract company and he got very interested he was like that is impossible but I'm going to find I'm going to find a way to do it so he partnered with me and then um, you know throughout finding other friends that uh, within my my network I met John Greenwald you know Seth probably from CCJR so John is Seth's son and um, we met at the at the AUKUS in 2019 to 2018, 2019, and we kind of connected. I was like, listen, this is, you know, he, he was just coming off of Orta Sensor, and I said, this is a great idea that I have. Uh, what do you think about being CEO? And, and then we talked about it, and, you know, we shook hands, and now he's a CEO of our company called Cairo Surgical. And um, so... Spill it. Spill it for us so we can hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, it's Cairo Surgical, C-A-I-R-A, Surgical. Cairo Surgical. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So me and John, we we kind of bootstrapped the beginning of it. We reached out to our um, friends and family, which it, which is what you need to do for any startup, right? Uh, we, I reached out to my network. He reached out to his network. We kind of, you know, tried to get the family involved. So we raised about three hundred plus thousand dollars, which is pretty good to start. So that's that was our what we call a pre-seed funding. And with that, we um, invested into a grant. So we actually managed to get an STTR, which is an NIH grant uh, for our startup. It, it's, it's great for people that want to do uh, startups and entrepreneurs because grants are free money, quote unquote. And also it gives you a further validation because the government believes in you. It's, it's actually great. And you don't have to give it back, which, which makes it a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so the grant was about $500,000 and with that, we started our marketing campaign for fundraising, which is not fun. It took us about a year, maybe 13, 14 months. And we raised our seed round, which was $5 million. We actually uh, oversubscribed a little bit, but we managed to close our fund just about uh, a month ago, which we announced. 
and, and it was a great milestone. I'm very proud of our team. And, uh, you know, the next step is now we have to spend the money. You got to produce it, right? Now yeah, you've got, exactly. you got the idea. Now you got to move. So why, so give it the, what's the, uh, where does Kyra come from? Kyra Surgical? Where does the name come from? Oh my God. So we've been back and forth and how to, it started from computer assisted radar based technology and then morphed to, or I don't know what it stands for anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's, a, but that's a great story. I mean, the idea, you know, and you're still not there. I mean, you've, you've got $5 million in the bank, which is probably enough, but it's not a tremendous amount of money in the standpoint of being able to truly commercialize. I mean, what are your thoughts? Are your plans to, to, to have a viable product uh, and then go to the big boys and be able to potentially, you know, sell or. Yeah, no. So, so, so the, the, the way we've um, um, outlined our progress would be uh, what we're going to do with the 5 million, right? So the, the fundraising never ends, as you know. So right now we are thinking of the next, the next fund, because this 5 million is going to give us a runway for the next maybe year and a half. So in the next year and a half, we will have a milestone of FDA clearance, which is, will hopefully would be at the end of this year. And then we'll have the uh, what we call a limited clinical trials for the beginning of next year. Is it going to be a 510K predicate? Is it's going to be a 510K predicate. Yeah, if we can. Um, you know, for the audience, the, the 510K is when you have a similar product that, that you don't have to start from scratch. So you can, you can use something as a predicate. Um, I'm hoping it would be a predicate, but yet again, you know, there's, there's no radar technologies in, in any surgical field. So it might be a whole new ID or. Yeah, that could be, that's a whole longer process going through a PDA and two large clinical trials and all that. But look, man, congratulations. I mean, to the point of being able to write down on a piece of paper with a patent attorney, come up with an idea, get to the point where you can actually bring all of these people into a room who believe in you and get to this point is a remarkable accomplishment. So kudos you. to you, Mark. That's Thank really you. awesome. It's a team effort. Yeah, no, it has to be. There's no possible way to do this without it being a team effort. So so look, there's no orthopedic surgeons. There's no good orthopedic surgeons in New York City. So you don't have to worry about competition at all, right? You just basically showed up 10 years ago. <laughs> you, you hung out with Ira and you've been busy ever since. But you know, how do you... How do you market yourself in New York? How do you make yourself busy? How do you become the specialist of the specialists where people are coming to Mort Mefta to have their, their knee or joint replacement? I got to tell you, it's not easy. Even, even, you know, being 10 years into practice, you still, I mean, there's a lot of competitions and COVID has hit the, the whole, you know, industry or uh, orthopedic uh, realm quite a bit. But um, the good news about what I do is that, um, you know, the, the rate of patients that need hip or knee replacement is just going up, right? We all want to be active and we all age gracefully. And, you know, at some point, if arthritis hits, you know, we can fix it. Um, but, you know, in this era, I think you need to be a lot more involved in, in um, uh, platforms such as yours, the online platforms, social media, uh, you know, the, the, the era of, okay, I'm the best best surgeon and it's the mouth of it's a word of mouth that i i operate on, on someone and you know i i get you know really busy in a month that that's over so um what i try to do is uh you know maintain my website be be proactive in um again social media you know we have linkedin as you know the ortho founders group 
and um, um, be more involved in you know community outreach, educational platforms, and you know if you're good, people find you. Yeah, and and also I mean you're in academics, and you know you you in your in your ten years have developed relationships around the world. You put yourself out there. You're on committees. You're part of educational uh, conferences and congresses, uh, and that's very important too, right? That establishes your reputation uh, nationally and internationally, which then helps you even at the local level as well. If you were going to give some advice, we're about ready to close more. This has really been awesome. I really appreciate your time. You know, give some advice to, to a young doctor that's out there now who's either resident or just starting in their, in their practice about what they can do in order to, to really try and establish themselves in, in what they want to do within their practice. Yeah, sure. I, I think the first thing is figure out what you actually love and what you're passionate about, right? I think we all orthopedic surgeons, we are very, very smart and we, we all have great idea. And I think invention, innovation is kind of a passion of mine uh, on top of, you know, doing surgeries, which we all love. Um, I would say that there's a lot of resources out there for the audience, uh, you know, in terms of how you can start, if you have an idea, how to come up with an idea. There's actually formulas for that, believe it or not. And what do you do after you, you, you have some form of idea? How, how do you get from a napkin to a company? And how do you fundraise? And how do you ultimately exit, right? Because if you don't exit, it's just going to be a company that just, you know, drags along. Um, you know, we, we started, me and uh, Vendasa, we started this uh, um, ICL course for Academy last year, which was very successful. And this year, we actually have two ICLs about entrepreneurship for orthopedics, and, and I encourage everybody to attend. Um, if you go to the Academy's website and just put entrepreneurship ICL, it will come up. We have two sessions, which is one, how you can start a startup and how you can finish. And we have a great faculty that, um, you know, if, if, you, if you join, you'll be very, very uh, informed of uh, what the next steps are in terms of innovation and invention. And I think, um, um, you know, Academy has been very supportive about it. I'm very happy about it. But um, to, to your point, I think, again, find your passion and, and be persistent and know that there's a lot of support out there and you're not alone. And you can't start too early. Start as soon and as you start can. Too early. Exactly. Everybody Thank wants, you. if you have great ideas and great thoughts, people should want to share them. People will listen for sure. I'll give you two minutes. Yeah. Uh, one is that, uh, you know, the idea doesn't exist until you write it down. Uh, if it's in your head, it's just your, you, you know, it's a fiction of, fraction of your imagination. And two, uh, there's no failure. It's just different ways of not being successful. Uh, com com completely agree. Mort, this has been really special. It's so back to get back on the microphone again. We've been away for a while. Your story is, is a great story of orthopedics, of innovation, orthopreneurship uh, as well. It's really been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Scott. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.